Hi, everyone. It is me, Simone. I am the host of the Hair of the Dog podcast. And I have been getting questions. And like I shared before, I am totally open and ready to answer any and all questions. I know this is a lot of information. And so I don't want questions to get like lost in translation or just lost in the abundance of stuff that we have. So people have been great about sending questions, like really thoughtful questions, interesting questions. So I'm always happy to answer them and do these short little question and answer sessions. And yeah, and before I get started, I apologize if there's like a clicking noise in the background. I was trying to multitask. And so I have some chicken in the oven. I am so hungry. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to put my dinner in the oven and then record something. And I didn't realize that my oven kind of makes a clicking noise. So I am really sorry (laughs) if that shows up in the background. I'm hoping it doesn't. Um, But bear with me if it does. So the first question, um, it's a good one. Uh, Someone asked, do you think that the caregiver is a narcissist? And, you know, that's a tough one to answer because first and foremost, I'll say I'm not a clinician. I have no credentials to like diagnose people, but I will say that some of her behaviors and tendencies tend to show someone with perhaps some narcissistic traits or perhaps mirroring narcissistic behaviors. So her, um, it will get into her whole background and life story of what I know at this point in time. And it just shows someone that doesn't make good life choices and yeah, doesn't make good life choices. <laughs> That's all I can really say about that. So I think, you know, it's all on a spectrum, right? So it's like she could be, you know, kind of mirroring narcissistic behaviors, or maybe she just makes bad life choices. You know, I can't make that call. But based on the information I have in front of me, I would say, yeah, there's probably something there. You know, I'm not a clinician. I'm not going to say like, you know, one way or the other, but I'll say, you know, it's probably highly likely. The next question, it really breaks my heart that you did not get to see your father before he died because of your heart issues. And I hope this isn't too personal, but how is your health doing with all of this? And as everyone who knows me in real life, all y'all know, I'm an open book. You can ask me absolutely anything and I will answer. Um, My health is, it's okay. You know, so my, I was born with congenital heart defects. So I have uh, I have a lot going on. I have something called, called aortic valve stenosis. I have pulmonic valve stenosis. I have mitral valve prolapse. I have supraventricular tachycardia. I've got some other things like regurgitation, calcification. But it was discovered when I was really young. So like I shared, I was adopted, so my parents didn't know. And it turns out that my biological maternal grandmother passed away from pneumonia that was basically expedited by um, a congenital heart defect that she didn't know she had. And she died when she was really young, like 33. So it is something that is genetic. And my parents found mine when I was four years old. And it's been an adventure. You know, it is if you have a complex medical issue, you know, it's an adventure. But luckily, you know, I have a great cardiology team. I see my cardiologist once a year. I just saw them and did all my tests in December. So it's like, yes, the situation hasn't been good. You know, it has caused more stress. 
but at the same time, it's not obliterating my health. So it's like, it could be better, but it's in a stable place. And that's honestly, when you have conditions like these, that's all you can ask for. It's just that it stays stable. So I am really grateful for my medical team and they, they're just amazing, you know? So they're very supportive and I've always had great care. And so it's like, yeah, it's not the ideal situation for someone with, you know, heart issues, but it is what it is. And I've had it my entire life. I don't know life without it. So I've learned to manage it in stressful situations, but I really appreciate that. And again, no question is off limits. I will answer it no matter how, <laughs> you know, no matter what I will answer. Um, the next question, is there a way for you to get his ashes? And that is a really good question. I, yes and no. So technically, no. I don't have a legal right to his ashes because I was not the executor of his estate. So I could have, or I could in the future, in like settlement conversations, ask for his ashes. And that's something I would in theory do. However, our concern is that his ashes would then be used as a bargaining chip. And my dad, I know what his response to that would be, would be take the money and run Simone. He had such clear plans for me and what he wanted me to do with the money. Like he wanted me to invest in real estate. You know, I know he doesn't care about his ashes. I do. So it's like, yes, I'll do my best, but I've also had to let that go and just accept the reality that it's highly likely that I will never have his ashes. And so that's why we bought the headstone. And yes, the grave will be empty, but that will give us a space to kind of connect with him, you know, and have and basically just have a place for our family to go. So it's kind of like, yes and no, mainly no. <laughs> but, you know, what I've learned in my life with all this stuff is crazy stuff happens. You never know how things will turn out. It could take such a turn. You just never, never know. So I just, you know, I'm going to, accept it for what it is right now and just kind of, you know, prepare for the worst, but hope for the best. The next question, did you ever find those people who vandalized your door? <laughs> for those who don't know, I had like a little incident where my door in my apartment complex has been getting like vandalized or hit with a pipe. And it's just like, you know, there's a question mark over who's doing it because Obviously, this caregiver and her family are very upset with me for filing this lawsuit and, you know, essentially causing a commotion about what was done to my father. So I don't know. I still don't know. So my apartment complex, they're working on pulling uh, the video, but the problem is their system, and I am not like a tech person, so I may be saying this completely wrong. But they're pulling their system and it's not saved on a cloud. And so they're not sure if they're actually going to be able to access it. But regardless of that, there isn't a camera in my hallway. So they're kind of like, mm, there isn't a camera in the hallway, but sure, we can look at like the elevator, but it's going to take some time. So I don't know, but nothing else has happened recently. So I'm hoping it was just... You know, one of those things where somebody just does something and they think it's funny, but it obviously really is not. This question, I really like it. Do you have your dad's 1980s mug shots? I don't, but I sure as hell wish I did. And 
I will find them. Like I am so like, I need those in my life. And, you know, the Mandeville arrest um, for his drunken disorderly conduct in 1986, you know, Mandeville such a small place. It's growing now. I mean, there's a Starbucks there now, <laughs> really growing. Um, they may not have taken a mugshot because they may not have had like a camera or whatever you took mugshots with in the 80s. You know, it's highly likely they just didn't have that technology because they're such a small town. But I, I will look. I've got lots of friends in Mandeville that work in like law enforcement and whatnot. And I, I can ask the New Orleans one, you know, that would make sense. So I'll, I'll try. I will do my best to try to hunt those down because I, I would pay to see those. And you know what? I bet my dad was good looking in the 80s. So I bet they're a lot better than his bigamy mugshot from 2013. The next question, how is your mom doing? And that's such a good question because in the previous episode, I had mentioned she broke her back about the same time that my father shared that he had cancer. And a lot of people were like, oh my gosh, I didn't know that. Like, is she okay? So she, she's doing better. You know, like she's, she's just like, you know what? I'm getting older. You know, your body changes. Girls take your calcium supplements, you know, so she's doing great physically, but she's obviously heartbroken that this is all going on. She is just like, good Lord, this narcissist in our life, like he's just, he just won't let go. So she has a very different lens and experience of this whole situation than I do because from her perspective, it's like this caregiver was trying to like get my dad back from my mom, like in the seventies. So my mom is like, why is this woman haunting us now? Why is she trying to, you know, mess with my kid? Like get your own life lady. So my mom is definitely experiencing it through a different lens, experience, context, all of that. But she's heartbroken that it's happening to me and that I have to go through it. And she has been the most amazing support person through this whole process. Like I can't like everyone who knows me in real life, they know I love my mama so much. Like we are two peas in a pod and she's been an amazing support system. But I also have to recognize that this is this is kind of triggering and traumatic for her to go through because she's already been through so much trauma as it relates to my father. So it really breaks her heart that her child has to go through something like this. But she's like me. We just have positive mindset, positive attitudes. And we know in the long term it'll be okay. We just know that in our hearts that everything will be okay. We just have to get there and everything is in the appropriate channels to get there. The next question, what do your attorneys think of the whole thing? What do other attorneys think? Do you talk to other attorneys? And I um, have talked, good Lord, you know, it's funny, this case is so crazy that when I initially, um, when I hired an attorney before my father died, that attorney was just kind of like a basic estate planning. So when it evolved to what it is, she was like, Ooh, Simone, I do not do this kind of law. Um, here's some recommendations. I had so many doors slammed in my face. It is insane because to me, it's kind of clear, right? This person did something wrong and it needs to be looked at. End of story. So many people did not want to mess with it. I had so many doors slammed in my face, like, oh my gosh, so many. And I don't mean just in Washington state where I live. I mean, all 
over. I was calling attorneys in New York, Louisiana, Texas, you know, everywhere. And um, so I've talked to a lot of attorneys about this. And my current attorneys, the ones that I have retained right now for this lawsuit, they're just like, you know, we've never seen anything like this. This is this is crazy. Like this is all the elements are odd. We've never seen anything like this before. And I just spoke to an attorney in Louisiana recently, just, you know, somebody who's an acquaintance of my family. And he was like, Simone, this is a humdinger of a case. This is a humdinger. I ain't seen anything like this before in my life. And I'm just like, <laughs> okay, yeah, that's, I've, I've heard that before, you know? So attorneys apparently find it interesting. A lot of them don't want to touch it because it is complex and there are a lot of elements to it. So yes, attorneys think it is absolutely insane. Um, The next question, do you have any regrets about the lawsuit, the podcast, anything related to your dad? And that's such a good question. It's like one of those yes and no questions. Do I have regrets about filing the lawsuit or doing a podcast or, you know, any of that stuff? No, would do it all again. Would I, I, I said what I said and I did what I did and I own it all day long. But as it relates to my dad, I do have feelings of regret for the, before he died that I didn't do more. And I grapple with that because it was clear that he was in a situation that was, had a high likelihood of being unsafe. And I look back on that and I think I should have done more. And I did ask him, you know, do you feel safe? Do you want me to come get you? Do you, do you need me? You can live with me. And he always said no. And I think that just kind of circles back to him not wanting to be a burden to me. And also the fact that I'm his youngest child. He's my father. And we're talking about my dad, who is such a big guy, like physically, and he did such crazy things with his life, like working on oil rigs in Nigeria, you know, this really strong, masculine guy. He never wanted me to see him in a vulnerable state. And that circled back to even when he had a heart attack in 2012. I remember being in the hospital with him and just sitting by his bedside and he was up and talking, you know, he had his heart patient fajitas that he was eating, you know, and he just flat out said, Simone, I don't like seeing, I don't like it when you're here and you see me like this. And I was like, oh, well, you know, okay, (laughs) deal with it because I'm not leaving. And that happened again in 2016 when he was in that really gross hospital (laughs) when he was in the ICU. And I really thought he wasn't going to make it at that space in time, but he did. And he reiterated again. He said, I hate, I hate it. When you see me like this, he goes, this is the worst thing. So I think it was that, that he didn't want me to see him in a vulnerable place, watch him die. He didn't want me to take on a caretaker role. He thought it would be too much of a burden, but you know, it wouldn't have been, I would have done it, but it just, it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, I have like some regrets, but I also just have to accept it is what it is. And we just have to keep moving forward and just release those regrets and just keep, keep it moving. Next question. (laughs) Um, Simone, I went to college with you and I had classes with you. You were so nice and so friendly to everyone. 
And the bigamy thing was literally going on when we were in school together. I had no idea you had all this going on in your life because you're so calm and friendly. Does it feel good to get this off your chest? And yeah, I I will say that when I was in college, I kind of kept this hidden. Like, and I don't know why, you know, I think it was because it was such an intense experience that it kind of felt like I was almost being like my dad. Like I was living double lives. You know, there was college Simone who was very friendly and I did the debate team. You know, I was very academically high achieving. I always had 4.0 GPAs. I had on-campus jobs. I had a really great friend group, you know, so I really excelled at college and it was always like a very, very safe place for me. But then there was this other side that was going through so much and we'll get more into that because it definitely did intersect. Like there were some situations that happened on campus that compromised my safety. And, you know, so there were, it did intersect, like it did blow up in my face. (laughs) So those worlds collided, but for a long time, I really tried to keep things separate because that was just what felt right to me. I didn't want people to know because I didn't want people to have, you know, pity or worry about me or any, I just kind of wanted to exist like as normally as I could. And so, yeah, I I kept it hidden to some degree. (laughs) I absolutely did. And I own that. Um, But I'm at the place in my life now where it's just kind of like, you know what, it is what it is. I'm just going to share it. So it does feel good to get it off my chest. I, you know, it it is what it is. It feels good. I feel like I'm in a better place. You know, I've grown since college, obviously. I'm in a better place to share this content. And I think it's evolved to where the issues are so important to like talk about and have those conversations and kind of create those communities of support with people that are experiencing, you know, complex issues, narcissists. You know, I don't, I don't know what this all looks like at the end of the line. You know what I mean? So it's like, I, I can tell you that I, I want to help people. I want to help people through their experiences that I would love to, you know, contribute to someone's healing journey from like a narcissist or complex situation. I don't know what that looks like at this point, but like, this is like, it feels good. I'll just say it feels good to be here. It feels good to get it off my chest. It feels good to share And it feels good to know that people listen and are responding really well to it. So I'm really grateful for everyone who takes the time to listen and share feedback, share responses, their own experiences. Like I think I'm becoming very proud of what's being created here. And I really hope to continue that. So it's like, I don't know what's waiting for me at the finish line, but I feel like I feel like it's something good. So I really appreciate that question. And (laughs) you were really nice in college too. (laughs) Yeah, I went to a very, very nice institution where everyone was very, very friendly. (laughs) The last question. This is a funny one because it's been inquired, commented on a lot. Um, And I hope I don't sound conceited. I really don't want to sound conceited. But a lot of people have asked, Simone, I really love the sound of your voice. I listen to your voice to fall asleep, and it's very soothing and relaxing. Will you do an ASMR channel? Am I saying that right, ASMR, or is it 
said something different. I don't know. Um, I have gotten a lot of messages about my voice and I'm embarrassed if I'm saying that and somebody out there finds it to be like a nails on a chalkboard type of voice. But apparently some people find it soothing. And I can't tell you how much of a compliment that is because, you know, sometimes when you listen to your own voice, you're like, yikes, I need to apologize everyone. you know, So it's just kind of a cringe experience to listen to your voice. So I'm really delighted that people find it calming, soothing, or helpful in any way, shape, or form. Like that just makes me so happy. And a lot of people were like, Hey, I hope this isn't creepy, but, and it's like, no, that's actually a really nice compliment to give someone. And I'm, I'm really thrilled by it. And I, you know, I'm like, sure. Yeah, I can, I can do some ASMR. I don't even really know what that is, but I'm I'm willing to entertain it. So somebody suggested that I start a separate podcast and read like bedtime stories. So, you know, stay tuned. I'm totally willing to do that because I feel very, I feel like my life path and my life vocation is definitely centered around helping people heal and helping people connect to themselves and the world around them in really holistic, helpful ways. So if that contributes to that, then I'm totally for doing it like all day long. I will, I will read bedtime stories to everyone because I think it's important to have um, spaces where you can feel, you know, relaxed, safe, and grounded. So if that helps y'all, you know, I, I will do it. So that is all the questions I have for right now, but as always, keep them coming. I'm really happy to answer them. And I'm just really, again, I know I say this all the time, but I'm just really grateful for everyone who listens. And it's just, it's been a hard situation. And it's like, you know, I can't bring my dad back, but I can bring him justice. And so that is the intent right now for all of this is to have, I don't know what that justice looks like right now. Um, Hopefully, you know, that can take more shape in the future. But I'm hoping that this brings him justice. And, you know, like I said, he was a wild guy. He often did what he wanted to do at the expense of others. But I will die on the hill that he was vulnerable at the end of his life. And he did not deserve to be taken advantage of. So it's like, it doesn't matter what choices he made in his life. He didn't deserve that. So I will die on that hill. (laughs) But again, thank you so much for listening. And caring and giving your energy into this by listening and commenting and sending questions and just being so uplifting to me. We really appreciate it. Tony really appreciates it as well. But with that, I will leave you all. It's Friday today, Friday, five o'clock. I will leave you to enjoy your weekends. Take care, y'all.